Jig just grinds that tape It's the dynasty crossroads Where film is everything The dynasty crossroads Where numbers are the king There may not be consensus But we'll give you everything Hello everyone, welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here with Jake Anderson, at NFL Draft Talker on Twitter. If you don't know that by now, then welcome to your first episode of the Dynasty Crossroads, I guess. We're happy to have you. Tonight we're going to be talking about a tight end by popular demand from several polls that Jake might tell you about because he runs all that stuff. And um, basically some overall ideas on tight ends, especially tight ends without a lot of history in the NFL and how we have how we look at them as well. So um, lots going on right now, including the Scott Fish Bowl, but uh, I don't know how much we're going to be able to get into all of that stuff since um, we're trying to keep our podcast desperately under 30 minutes. And one of us, not naming any names, can't keep a point under two minutes. It's me. And so I would like to say that my draft is going awesome and I'm obviously going to win the whole thing. I don't know about Jake's, but I do know one of his players just got in some serious legal troubles. Uh, but more importantly, he was sick recently, so uh, he's feeling better now. We're glad he has made it back onto the podcast with us. Um, Jake, are you feeling better? Are you okay? <laughs> I'm living and breathing. Yeah, everything's everything's pretty good. I wouldn't even well, I wasn't sick. I was I was rushed to the emergency room on my way home from work, and I felt some really sharp abdominal pains in my in my stomach and i started getting kind of nauseous and um long story short i uh found out after being in the er for six hours and pumped up with morphine because i didn't know what was going on uh that i had a kidney stone and i i had heard you know how painful they are and how debilitating they are but i had no idea i had no idea how painful kidney stones are and mine wasn't even that big and I passed it that night and it didn't even hurt when I passed it. But, oh man, I've heard and I believe it that it's the male version of, of giving birth. So if you can try to wrap your head around how that feels, that was a, just a great night for me. But um, yeah, passed it the same night um, that I went to, to the emergency room. So I'm better now. I felt fine as soon as I left the hospital. Um, but man, that was a little bit scary, but happy to be back with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're doing okay. Um, I think the only people I've ever heard disagree with that are women. But, you know, what would they know about giving yeah, they, birth? They would have <laughs> Not a reliable source. No, I have heard it's terrible. Terrible, terribly painful. But I'm going to keep making fun as if it was nothing and you're dramatizing it because that's what I do. <laughs> to be honest. So uh, I guess we should probably move on to the player. David Njoko is our subject tonight. Haven't done very much in the NFL yet. Obviously, he's only played one year, and that was one year on the Browns uh, with Hugh Jackson. So that's probably not a full, complete year either. But um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you know of David Njoku from college and what you saw maybe uh, in the limited action he got in 2017? Sure. I, I mean, last year's last year's class is known for the running backs, and really the tight end class was supposed to be the best tight end class we've seen in years. And I was right there. We had we had Evan Ingram, we had David Njoku, we had OJ Howard, not to mention some other tight ends um, that also popped up um, in that class. But I was, I mean, if anybody knows me, I'm a huge Evan Ingram guy. He was my clear tight end one last year. 
and David Njoku is my tight end too. And OJ Howard was, was a little bit farther back than both of those guys. But um, why I love Njoku and Ingram uh, both, even though I like Ingram more, but they're both just extremely athletic guys. They're basically wide receivers playing the tight end position. So why wouldn't you love a guy that's uber athletic that can stretch the field and play all over the field and, um, be a red zone threat and, you know, stretch the seam and, and get all those juicy matchups in the, on the defense. So, um, yeah, I was a big Njoku fan. He's just a, a, he's an amazing athlete. You know, his ability, his yak ability is probably what really separates him compared to a lot of the tight ends in the league. I know Evan Silva's favorite staff from last year was he had 11 yards after the catch per reception last year in college or is his last year in college at Miami. So um, you want to talk about a guy that can create after the catch. He is your guy, you know, his blocking isn't very good. Just like Evan Ingram. I feel like they have a lot of similarities in certain respects where Evan Ingram for me was a better contested catch guy. He was a better high pointer. He was a better route runner, just a little bit more aware. And yes, he was older. So maybe that played a part of it. Um, but Njoku is just this raw freak of an athlete that that can win in a lot of similar ways, um, but is a little bit more of a speed guy and can really make his do in the open field with his yak ability. I'm not a big young tight end guy. Um, what I tend to do is invest in tight ends that have already proven productive in the NFL, no matter how old they get, because age is actually a positive thing for tight ends. Um, if we can accept that, then you can start doing really well at tight end. One of the first things I did when I started DL DLF is write up tight ends and how to target them. And it's a, I view them in a very specific way, and it keeps working for me, so I keep on at it. And one of those things is to see age as a value. The older they get, almost the more I like them, because the lower their ADP gets, especially in Dynasty. So David Njoko at 22, he literally, um, we discovered um, when we started this pod, that he literally turned 22 today. So he's extremely young, which sounds like a positive Dynasty asset, and it is. But it also means he's much more likely, in my opinion, to take longer to become a fantasy tight end if he's going to. One of the things that does trend running uh, tight ends tend to have to be around, if not most definitely over 250 pounds and over six foot three, six foot four. And David Njoku is 246 pounds and six foot four, whereas Ingram was 234 pounds. And so coming into their rookie season, I was just hedging towards Njoku mostly because of size, because that's one of the few things I can find that definitely has a trend um, from an analytics point of view for tight ends and whether or not they're going to be successful in the NFL. But even during that year, I was grabbing um, Jono Smith and even um, Everett. What's his first name? Gerald. Uh, G Gerald, Gerald Everett. How can you Gerald forget Everett. a strong name like Gerald? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because those are the ones that were turning up when I was willing to take a tight end. Because more often than not, tight ends fall in ADP, fall in dynasty value long before they actually become productive. You can take Eric Ebron, who was drafted in the first round, and everyone's given up uh, on him uh, because the team gave up. And I mean, a lot of different narratives that don't bear a lot of correlation to whether a tight end's going to be successful or not. He's barely getting to the age where a tight end is likely to be 
successful. Age 26. This is why I was on Zach Ertz last year. Everyone was down on him and I got a lot of flack for where Zach Ertz was being taken and where I took him last year. People were saying he's not likely to hit. We, we know what he is, but it actually works the opposite for tight ends. It, it works the opposite for tight ends again. So I was actually more interested in Zach Ertz last year than I've ever been. And he hit at age 26. Now, it's not always going to be at age 26. That's an average for when tight ends tend to become successful. But it's a fairly strong average because on the other extreme, you've got outliers like, well, there are actually very few. You've got Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gonzalez. That's pretty much it. Those are the guys that hit when they hit enter the NFL at a young age and hit in their first few years. I mean, these guys are the most productive tight ends that we have ever seen, and they're really hard to predict because there are very few of them. Antonio Gates is just slightly under that in terms of how soon and how soon he was productive in the NFL. So I'm not aiming for that group. I'm aiming for the the big chewy center in that diagram, right? The most likely players to hit are going to hit around 25, 26, 27, after that, I'm looking for size and uh, a good history of pass catching with that size. So is there anything that you saw in 2017 that made you think he was improving or you saw where the holes in his game where he has to improve were? Well, I, w- I just wish I could have seen more opportunity. I think he only had about a 50% snap share in that offense, which is a little bit frustrating when you know they didn't have Josh Gordon for a part of the year and Corey Coleman was non-existent. I mean, he's losing snaps to self Seth DeValve, um, who isn't an awful player, but just I wish I would have seen more of Njoku. And the sample size was small, but he was top five in efficiency last year for tight ends. Um, so he did flash some ability. And I and I honestly, I, I thought he played well because I, I did think he was – very raw as a player and i didn't know i questioned his football iq his ability to learn an nfl playbook just because he's he's so new to football i think he's only been playing football for three or four years so i actually thought he wouldn't be as successful in the limited snaps that he did see last year so i was any hesitation that i had on joku going into last year i think was cleared up by the way he performed and his efficiency so i'm kind of all in and i think Honestly, last year, I I don't know what his ADP was. I'm guessing he was towards the back end of round one, early round two of rookie drafts. All right, so last year, uh, Njoku was uh, 12 overall in rookie ADP, and he was tight end nine overall for tight ends in ADP in June. And now he's tight end five. And previously, he was, did I say he was ADP uh, 89 overall? Um, now he's tight end five and 73 ADP over the very marginal season that he did have last year. And that's actually is a little bit surprising. I thought that he had maybe even stayed or, or fallen a bit off pace. I do think the Hunter Henry news probably bumped him up a little bit there. I don't think he'd probably be ahead of Hunter Henry if, if he didn't get injured. Uh, but that is a little bit surprising there. It's a little bit glaring. I think um, some of it is the point you made about quarterbacks, right? It's that it's all about upside at a certain point in a one tight end, in a one quarterback right. league. Yeah. Like, who are you going to get? You're going to get a stable producer or are you going to gamble that you're going to get someone that's, you know, top five? Well, and dynasty players love to build sexy rosters that don't compete. And <laughs> You know, I've certainly have been one of those, and I probably fall victim to that a little bit. You know, I, I 
do own a lot of Evan Ingram, even though I have sold a share or two. I, for one, tend to not invest too much in tight ends unless there's a you know a nice premium set on that position. But I also was didn't pay a lot for Ingram. I got I had a Devi share. I, I got him in a couple rookie drafts. Uh, this offseason, I acquired him for Cooper Cup and Kelvin Benjamin in a non-premium. So I still feel fine about that. Um, but I generally don't really invest a whole lot in tight ends unless there's a premium on that position. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. But as someone that falls in love with freak upside, if you do own Njoku, and for whatever reason, I think there is a chance that he does finish as a low-end tight end one this year. So if he can have the small sample that he had last year and rise from tight end nine to tight end five, imagine where he will be not that he can go up a whole lot farther but just as far as his overall adp goes uh you'd imagine that could fly up pretty good if he has a you know low end tight end one season just the question there is targets how many targets can he get in that offense josh gordon jarvis landry duke johnson nick chubb there's a lot of targets all of a sudden in the offense so um i think that's going to be where his ceiling is probably marginalized and i think that's where you make a good point where you might want to just sit back and wait another year or two and just off the off chance that he doesn't perform all that well that would create a buying window when he's maybe heading into that 25 26 year old season um where where he has a better chance of breaking out but just as a player i i I love him from a skill standpoint he's probably there's gronk there's evan ingram and there's probably njoku from a skills based standpoint I would put Ertz definitely below Ingram and probably below below Njoku from a skills-based standpoint. Now, situation and production is two different worlds there. So if you're someone that loves to fall in love with talent and kind of neglect situation, I would understand wanting to invest in Njoku. But if you're going to be really boring and rational like Peter, and I'm not talking <laughs> about personality here, but just level-headedness, Always personality um, in this minute. <laughs> I think Peter's probably really onto something here. And why not just go buy Delaney Walker or Greg Olson for half the price and, you know, take the year or two that you're going to get production wise from them. And then the next year, go buy another aging tight end um, that is producing. So I think that's probably a good thing. But if you're a rebuilder and, you know, you're look, looking to, acquire sexy assets. I think Joku does have an extremely high ceiling. When he reaches that, that's the biggest question. I got a lot to say about tight ends, but it seems, all right, it it seems like it's been said. I'm going to say things you're like, oh yeah, I know that, but just try and uh, try and listen in here for a second. Let me, let me gather you around the campfire, recognize that you're going to hear things that you've heard before and just, yes, you already know them, but try and hear them fresh for the first time. Because I'm going to tell you first how to beat me pretty much every time at tight end. And then I'm going to tell you why you won't pretty much every time. arrogant as hell, but I've just been doing well at the tight end position long enough. I'm allowing myself some small amount of arrogance at least. You can take these bets. You can take Njoku at five. You can take um, Evan Ingram at five in his rookie year. You can take those bets if, and this is how you win, if you're willing to hold on to them 
for at least five years. And we've talked about with this with wide receivers where I even I find it difficult, though it's literally my strategy to take the Chad Williams of the world and then not let him lose his roster spot until at least year five. And you've pointed out, and it's very true, that it's almost impossible to do on a standard roster, which is why those deeper rust picks deeper the why those deeper rookie picks tend to be um overvalued in most leagues and and the reason is you are going to give up and i know you you don't feel like you are you're gonna hold on to ninjoku because you know how good he can be but and what i want to tell you is read off a bunch of names from the draft before last year but i can't seem to pull that up really quickly and here's how i know it's true how do you feel about austin hooper right now <laughs> I, think I, about don't, it. I don't want any part think of it. about it yeah. Right, you, right. But, but, but why? Also, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really like Austin Hooper on tape though either. So I think there's, and this is, this is the. No, tough. this is exactly it. This is why you won't beat not you, Jake. Yeah, obviously, but he, was but also the 20, he was also the twenty seventh rookie player drafted in, in twenty. Yeah, and listen to us bringing all these reasons that work for wide receiver. I'm telling you, they don't work for tight end. The only thing that works is maybe size. You've got to have a good receiving skill set obviously just to succeed in the nfl and first round draft draft capital still definitely matters but we can't reason it the exact same way we do with wide receivers and running backs it's just a different position you know and everyone listening knows because again this is something you've heard and told people probably it takes time to become a successful nfl tight end you just won't give them the time austin hooper has actually been good for the age he is in the nfl He's actually picked up more receiving work than I would have expected at this age. Last year, I kept hearing about how the targets in the offense in Atlanta go to the tight end because of Tony Gonzalez. And Austin Hooper was sitting right there just ready to take him. And he actually took a significant chunk of him. I said it was a hogwash argument. And he actually did. And everyone's forgotten about that because it's year three. Austin what was his market probably... share? Do you know what his market share was last year? Oh, uh, God. You... I told you I didn't have sheets on it then. <laughs> The one thing I'm going to say is that the year long is very different to he had this spike in his weekly data, which I wouldn't expect at his age either. I'd even forgotten that this is the guy I was going to be talking about. I remember I said I didn't know who was drafted two years ago. It's just always going to happen. And let me see. So last year, Austin Hooper got 12% of the team's targets, which doesn't sound great, but it sounds okay for a tight end. That's but also remember... He had 526 yards and three receiving uh, receiving touchdowns and 49 overall reception. But the thing I'm really remembering from last season is that there were several games, I think it was a run, where he was actually fantasy re- relevant. Like he was um, a DFS start and stuff. And Yeah, because he had like a 90-yard touchdown. Yeah, but it was more than just that one game. And he showed these small signs that Atlanta was willing to use him. Now... One of my bugaboos about tight end is that I do it with all positions. This is something I'll apply to all positions. Is that opportunity runs not just, and this is something you can bring back with Penny actually, not just to um, uh, availability. Everyone thought that Cam Newton didn't target running back, so Christian McCaffrey wouldn't get targets and therefore couldn't succeed because that's what he was better at uh, over running between the tackles. But the minute uh, McCaffrey got on the team, the target share for the running back shot up to 20, like the level of a wide receiver won because that's what McCaffrey's good at. And he was open and Cam Newton 
like most NFL quarterbacks and NFL players, isn't a moron. So he gave the ball to the player that was available and in a good position. So targets more often flow based on who the player is than the position, than who the coach likes to target, than what the team has available. And to Henry going down doesn't mean that Virgil Green's going to be good for fantasy at all next year unless Virgil Green steps up his game. If he becomes a player worth targeting, then he gets targets. It's not because Hunter Henry's missing. And so layering that back on, this, these small spikes, and remember that Austin Hooper's still only 23 um, right now, and so he, was, he hadn't become, I don't think, 23 for most of last season. So that's actually positive. But we're three years in. His ADP, do you want to look? Uh, his ADP right now, Austin Hooper's ADP right now is 165 in overall ADP as tight end 21. That's after two years of earning targets and showing these spikes that he can be productive in the NFL. So he has positive signs, not because Tony Gonzalez used to go there, so they're like using their tight end, but because at the age 22 and age 23, he was actually getting targets and being somewhat productive. Not enough to be in fantasy, and like Jake's pointed out, one 90-yard touchdown does not a good NFL player make. But it means he's actually growing in the NFL into a tight end. But because he was drafted two years ago, we have dropped him collectively to ADP 165, tight end 21, just above Cameron Braid as well. So now that might not happen with Njoku because the 2017 class was so lauded and rightly so because he's got such receiving production. Uh, he's such an athletic freak. But that's the thing. This is all without considering athleticism. We don't have to play that card and we should try not to because it has so little correlation to actual NFL success most of the time. So instead of targeting Njoku and Ingram at five, looking for that upside, instead I'm competing you, like if you're taking Ingram and Njoku at five at a fairly early ADP, you're probably aiming for someone like Jimmy Graham or, or Charles Clay later just to get production for this one or two years, right? Well, those are the guys I'm looking for. And I'm probably going to draft them before you because I don't devalue them because of their age. And instead of going for Ninjoku and Ingram this year, I'm looking for Hooper, who you're not looking at at all. So this is why it's been doing so well for me the last couple of years since I wrote up the article for DLF. It's gotten a lot clearer to me. I'm going to target the guy from two years ago, and I'm actually going to be willing to hold him for the next. You're targeting Ingram, not Ingram, sorry. He's had the question now. He's already done it. You're targeting not you, Jake, either. It's a generic you. But uh, some people are targeting Joku at five, they won't hold him for the next few years. His ADP will drop, if not to 21, then at least outside the top 12, which is when I'm going to start to be interested in him. Not because I think he's going to do well in two years. I think he could do well in three years. And so it's this, it's this snowball that keeps rolling, and they keep replacing each other as they go along to target tight ends as they get older, who had good rookie profiles, because they continually drop an ADP. And I didn't even know Hooper was the guy I was going to be talking about. I just assumed that two years ago there was a tight end that we were excited about that we're not excited about now because it's true every year. <laughs> and so I think Joker is probably going to be that guy or one of those guys next year. Not because there aren't targets on the Browns and the Browns don't target the tight end and, or because there are too many options. And that's a really good point by Jake. But because that tends to happen with what tight ends, you break out really young and vault yourself into this elite conversation, which I was really surprised that Ingram did that just because of his size, but he's done it. So I think Jake uh, on Twitter and everywhere else with this solid argument that Ingram should be uh, highly valued. 
He's put himself in the tier with Gronk and Jimmy Graham. Stop questioning his size at this point. If that's the way the team's willing to use him, that's what he can keep doing. And people have been complaining that Jimmy Graham's not a good blocker since he entered the league as well. And he's still pretty good, whether you believe that or not. His ADP is certainly better than Austin Hooper's. Yeah, again, I don't have a clear, succinct point to make about Njoku because I've got such a specific way of looking at tight ends overall. I love Njoku, but you're going to take him before me. And I'm going to take him, if we're in the same league together, I'm going to trade for him or wait for him to hit the waiver wire later on. In the meantime, I'm going to be searching for the Austin Hoopers from the year before. And I'm going to draft Jimmy Graham and Charles Clay before you do. Delaney Walker is the guy this year who's a top five tight end not being drafted that way. That's, I didn't mention that third part of the argument, but that's the other thing. That Gronk has started to drop in ADP because of Kelsey. Delaney Walker has now dropped that out of the top eight, I think. And that year that they don't is probably the year they retire. Even Witten was productive. Even Antonio Gates was productive in that last year. I could probably cut that down to like a 30-second spot, I think, Jake. And is what I'm saying making sense, this whole revolving wheel of no, tight ends? Honestly, I think it's... And I'm it's... really not... Everything you said is absolutely true. I just think you're going to give up on... not In this case, yeah, why not? You specifically. You're probably going to give up on Njoku before I forget who he is. <laughs> and so... I think his ADP or his value in any league is going to drop. Right now, I think the best point that's been made about uh, about tight ends from last year is what you've already said before we got in this pod, and that's everyone's rating. I think that's a, I think that's a really good. There's some really sound logic there as far as how to handle the tight end position, and I don't really disagree with you there all that much. Uh, myself, I have zero in Joku shares because um, I was drafting Ingram over him when people were actually taking Joku and Howard in front of Ingram last year. Um, and I think you make a good point there uh, about Njoku. I, I don't know if he's going to fall quite as much as you think he is. And I do think he's actually going to produce maybe more than you say he is because I do think like Ingram. And again, I don't think he's quite as good of a prospect, but he, I think he is a really special talent. And if it, if it wasn't for maybe the lack of volume, I really think that he would have a chance to really burst on the scene. And honestly, I think he still has a chance to. You know, with Josh Gordon, you don't really know. If Tyrod Taylor plays this season, Njoku could be a nice little target because we've seen Tyrod Taylor target the tight end in the past. Charles Clay had a 20% market share last year with the Bills. So I think there's there's a chance that he... He does perform even this year, and I think you, I don't know if we were recording or not, but I think he has a, a decent chance to be a tight end eight, tight end nine, tight end ten, something like that for this year. And if he does that, I think his ADP is going to really rise up. Maybe not much more than tight end five, but again, his his overall ADP is going to jump up from eighty nine. Last year was such a special tight end class. I didn't love OJ Howard last year, but he was also like the one hundred eight kind of consensus. And I thought that was overvalued. Now, as we've seen, obviously, it's a very difficult time to buy Evan Ingram, to buy uh, Njoku, to buy OJ Howard. But I think that this class was very special. And then you got an another guy like um, you mentioned, Gerald Everett and, and Jonu Smith, but uh, another spark freak athlete and George Kittle um, being in the, t I think, top 12 of, of tight ends. So... Um, I think it really was a special tight end class year, and I just I think I think that does deserve some praise and recognition and and some built in value there.
No, um, you're definitely right on this. And just to your point, like Austin Hooper has never been drafted like um, Ninjoku and Ingram were. Like he was, uh, I was just looking it up on well, DLF. Overall, his, his rookie year, just overall, he was tight end 21. Mm-hmm. Um, or sorry, tight end 19. His second year, he rose up to tight end 16. Tight end 21. He never really was all that high. And you're right. You're completely right. There is a difference between the classes. But for me, that exaggerates the phenomenon, right? Instead of him jumping up from 19 to like what whatever you said, 13, it's gone from 9 to 5. So that means the costs are just inflated and the, and the, the, the cyclical nature of this is still the same. Like I say, I don't think Njoku is going to drop outside the top 20. I would be surprised if he drops outside the top 12 if he doesn't do anything next year, but it's going to be a lot better than right now. And again, the one thing, I'd, the other thing I'd remind, just in case I didn't make it clear, this means you don't get Gronkowski. It means you don't get Jimmy Graham. Instead, it means you get Greg Olson, Delaney Walker, and these other top five, type five tight ends. You don't get Aaron, um, <laughs> that's a bad example. You don't get Tony Gonzalez by trying to work the tight end position this way. Instead, you I just think it's more likely that his value drops, especially since he didn't produce high in his first year, than it remains stable. I just think he's more likely to finish outside the top 12 than inside the top five in 2018, just based on the trends of the position and when players hit. And that means I'm still staying away. The potential is there. Uh, You still like the player just as much as you did last year. And honestly, I was not a big OJ Howard fan. Just looking at his ADP now, that even sparks my interest of going to buy him now just because I didn't like his you know his cost last year but now it seems like it might be reasonable to get that talented of a tight end at tight end nine whereas last year was at tight end five and I'm thinking about this about something we said in our other videos these rules get either stricter or more loose the lower down the ADP chart you get right like I'll Corey Coleman has an age 20 breakout age. I've been talking over and over again about how breakout age is this this important stat. But the lower his value gets, the more I'm like, I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) He is a first round pick. At that point, if you if if you can get him where he's going, if you can, like I say, because there's always that guy in the league like me, just with that scrunched up little mean face. No, no, can't have Corey Coleman. But if you can get him where he's currently valued, I'm like, yeah, sure, screw the breakout age, man. Yeah, that's, <laughs> go that's, go that's, for that athleticism and that, and that um, uh, draft capital. That's fine. And with some rules, they tighten up the later I get. Like I said, with wide receivers um, and draft capital in their first year, I, I tighten that up the further into the draft we get. Like I want the 19-age breakout age not the 20 age breaker age in the rookie draft. Later on, I'll loosen that up because the values are going to change. But um, I was, And the other thing I would say is I, I've given you nothing about how to evaluate tight ends. And that's because I'm mostly, apart from size and wanting good market share, a good college dominator. And I find it so difficult to judge them the way we judge wide receivers or running backs or quarterbacks because it's a uniquely different position that takes so much time. And so I will openly say, I just listen to Jake. If Jake says Ingram's really good on the field, I'm like, great. Now I'm going to roll around with my ADP little trick and it's not going to work with Ingram because he hit. But you say Ninjoku's good but needs to improve. So that's the guy I'm going to be looking to 
Austin Hooper in a year or two, right? And I've thrown a lot of stuff at you tonight that you must just be like, what the hell do you expect me to do with any of that? But you can just talk for five minutes and I'm pretty sure you just said what I said. <laughs> I'm like, listen to Jake, just do it a year later. <laughs> it's basically my process. <laughs> I think it's, I think just the whole approach is a very level-headed and um, non-egotistical way to go about it is just saying that it's it's a very hard thing to do through your your process so you just you you find ways to get production and and just say that that's okay that it's difficult to um project especially you know these these younger tight ends i think your process and my process are so different just because and that's why it's worked so hard on what's unlikely finding the outlier wide receivers from the sixth round because that's where I'm going to try and find my league winners. So David Njoku could easily become a top five tight end. It's not unprecedented next year. And Jake looks good and I look bad, but it's because I'm leaning so much on likely and your process, not it's just as non-arrogant, but because it's based so much on what you think of this individual player, you're watching them, you're seeing what they do and you're, you're evaluating that then you, I think, are much more likely to find that unlikely league winner than most of my processes, where I lean so hard on um, extreme outliers to try and find my league winners. So yeah, that's our wrap-up of David Njoku and what we think he'll do in 2018 and how we should value him moving forward. Um, a big shout-out to fsstatistics.com, where I got the market share data, airyards.com from Josh Hermsmeyer, where I was talking about David Njoku's racer, and player profiler, where I got all of his athletic metrics and heights and weights and stuff like that. And Jake, who pretty much just produces his own content by, you know, watching the film. So um, thanks for joining us, and, and uh, I will see you next week. Later. You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. And you're right, you're completely right, there is a difference. The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. Just a seventh child who Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Stubbornly sit there going, no. Dynasty crossroads where film is everything. Until that's on the outtakes. The there may not be consensus, but we'll give you everything. No! My wide receiver. No. So. <sighs> give me Corey Coleman. No.